everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Rhoda Bernard, Founding Managing Director of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, and I am proud to present this podcast featuring disabled artists and arts educators. We are inviting artists with disabilities to be guest hosts for the Able Voices Podcast. Today's guest host is Lawrence Clark. Lawrence Clark is an award-winning stand-up comedian, actor, performer, screenwriter, and playwright who is based in the UK. He was selected for the BBC Writers' Room Writers' Access Group and for Screenwriting 2021. Lawrence's spec script, Wheeling and Dealing, has just been optioned by Chapter One Films. He won the Triforce UK TV Writers' Slam 2021 out of 1,600 submissions, and consequently his comedy pilot, Perfect, was broadcast. Lawrence has written several other scripts and screenplays, many of which have been made and performed. He is also the chair of Triple C, a community interest company led by disabled artists. Triple C aims to drive up the role of disabled people in the performing arts and the role of the performing arts in the lives of disabled people. Triple C also runs Disabled Artists Networking Community, or DANC, project, which provides an extensive program of networking events, mentoring, and masterclasses for disabled writers and other artists. Hello, and welcome to the Able Voices podcast. I'm Lawrence Clark, and today I'm joined by British actress Melissa Johns. Melissa's best known for her role as Hannah Taylor in the BBC One drama Life, and has also played Miss Scott in the ITV and PBS drama Grenchester. And last year, Melissa toured an incredibly successful show called Slashed, which she wrote and performed and received numerous five-star reviews. Melissa, hi. Hello. It's really good. I've been enjoying this podcast because they let me choose who I had on there. It's really nice to chat to a friend for half an hour with other people listening. That sounds I'm, a bit odd when you put it that way. <laughs> I'm very glad that you asked me. This is really nice because we know each other in so many different capacities work-wise that this is so lovely for us just to have a, a cup of cup of tea and a chat. And it also occurred to me that together we have run numerous webinars where we have jointly interviewed other people that I've just interviewed you before. You haven't, I know. You might even find out something really exciting about me that you didn't know. That's a lie. There's probably nothing exciting about me, so. So, to start off with then, when you were young, did you always want to be an actress? How did that that start? When I was younger, I got obsessed with the word archaeologist and I didn't know what it meant but it sounded really good and for a while used to go around saying 
that I wanted to be an archaeologist. I used to get obsessed with different words. I, I also um, I also used to go around telling people that I was ambidextrous, which for anyone that knows me knows that I only have one hand. I was only born with one arm. Um, and so there's actually no way that I can be ambidextrous. So my, my obsession with getting into different words would often backfire. So first of all, it was an archaeologist. And then when I realized what that was, I wasn't too fond of it. So from, from kind of nine, 10, um, getting into local amateur dramatics shows, I just decided that, yes, this was what I wanted to do. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't have a backup plan, which was either brave or stupid. And so, yes, um, I just dedicated all the years since to, to, to becoming an actor. When I was six, I wanted to be a vet. What a disaster that would be. <laughs> You've got a guinea pig that you've kept alive. Yeah, <laughs> barely. <laughs> Actually, I've never seen this guinea pig. You've only ever spoken about it, so I don't know if it's alive. That, that, that you could have just told me that. Is it where I haven't met Lancy, your dog, yet? <laughs> yes, it's CGI. I CGI her onto the screen. So, um, you wanted to, to be a director. But then how did you go about it? So my first kind of taste for it was um, joining the local amateur dramatic society. Um, I'm from a very working class background. Um, I think I've been told that my voice doesn't sound like I'm working class. And that's because as actors, when you go to drama school, I think you get it kind of shaken out of you. Not physically, to be honest, but you, you do get told, you know, to... to work on your voice. Um, but I'm from a very working class family and my family didn't go to theatres. They didn't feel it was a space for them. And so we, we just didn't go. But there was a lovely lady um, that lived in our town called Barbara Jones, who is, I think Barbara's in her 80s now. And Barbara took a real, a real, a real sort of liking to me. And she was doing a show called uh, Through the Dark Cloud Shining, which was based on World War Two, And out of all the children in the town that auditioned, she gave me the part. And so from that, our friendship kind of blossomed. And from then on, she took me under her wing and she took me to every theatre show going within a sort of 20 mile radius of our little town. So I saw operas, I saw dance shows, I saw drumming shows, I saw Shakespeare. And quite honestly, I just wouldn't have got that opportunity had Barbara not taken me to those things because my family just, it wasn't something that they thought was for them. And I just really got the bug for it. So I, I chose it for my GCSEs. I went on and chose to do it uh, dance and drama at A-level. Then I took a year out and I traveled Australia. And when I got back, I started auditioning for drama schools. I was very fortunate that I got into a, a brilliant UK drama school called East 15. I was very fortunate to get in on my first round of, of auditioning. And that's where I trained for three years. When you go to drama school, at the end of your three years, you often have a showcase, which is where all the agents are invited. And I was, I was fortunate enough to um, secure an agent at my, at my showcase. I think that's always put on a bit of a pedestal. I think people panic that if you don't get an agent from showcase, then, you, then you, you're never going to get one. And that's not the case at all. As you say, for, for me, I was just lucky that I didn't have to kind of fight to do it afterwards. But that was 13 years ago and I've still been with the same agent. So it's, it's going well. And then since then, I have had a wild flurry of all the no's and, and a wonderful, beautiful basket full of yeses, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. So, do you find um, that 
obviously being a disabled actor is that about yeah is it a plus um how does that affect doing this job so i i think what was part of you know being able to have have some successes has been that i actually I didn't see it as a barrier earlier on. It was only when I was at drama school that, you know, I I started to kind of really look at who was on TV and what stories were being told on TV. And I really started to realise, oh my gosh, actually, no, no one does look like me. I I don't see people that look like me or people that look like my my friends with disabilities. So I, I think that I'm quite happy that it didn't, it didn't almost derail me until halfway through drama school because by that point I'd I'd kind of I was I was on a I was on a path that I was happy with, and I had a conversation with one of my acting tutors at drama school, and she said, Melissa, I, I noticed that you don't put on your CV that you've got one arm. Why is that? And I said, Oh, because I was told not to. It might put people off. And she said, My darling, there are plenty of girls out there with blonde hair and blue eyes that can act as good as you can. What do you think is going to set you aside from the rest? She said, that is your, 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 your little gold mine. That's what she called it, my, my little gold mine. She said, it's the thing that will allow you to take on characters in a different way. It will allow you to take on words and scripts in a different way because it's given you a different life. And that was probably the best advice I was ever given because since then I was able to educate people with those same words along the way um it has been a barrier i think it i think it is still a barrier i think that we've got brilliant people fighting our corner for us i know casting directors do a lot of work casting directors are fantastic at getting us in the room and getting us in front of people but quite often we're at a place where maybe the exec producers the commissioners maybe they're not quite ready to see that role being played by a disabled person when they hadn't imagined it being played by a disabled person in the first place. So I think we've still got some mindsets to change. We've still got proper stories that we need to to tell. And I think it will be a, I think people's perception of disability will still act as a barrier for a little while. But to, to kind of end that bit on a high note, we are absolutely going in the right direction. The industry has has never been as it is at the moment. And I say all the time, you know, now's the time that we keep our foot on that accelerator. We can't become complacent. Yeah. So, like, I'm about some of the roles you've had in your introduction, and you've done many, many more. Was it like a, a breakthrough role? Yeah, so I'd say that the first time, I, I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to do jobs that we do as actors that the where we really get to learn our, our craft actually on on kind of shows like doctors and casualty those sorts of ones they've got such a quick turnaround and those shows are so brilliant because they give actors the chance to sometimes get their first tv credit or you know because the turnaround of actors is 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 so so big but i'd say that i think the thing that gave me my first bit of platform was was being cast in Coronation Street just because Coronation Street is such a you know such a hugely loved soap in the UK around the world actually um it's lots of people know what Coronation Street is and so I was in the show 
on and off actually it ended up spanning over two years um but altogether it was probably about I think it's about 14 episodes um but that really gave me my first kind of platform and from there I I went on to do Mike Bartlett's uh, drama BBC One drama Life which, which was just an absolute joy I it was my first lead in a in a BBC One drama I was alongside the incredible Alison Steadman who I have looked up to, you know, my whole career. She actually trained at the same drama school as me, obviously like 50 years apart, but... <laughs> I, um, I don't think I've ever told you this. I once had to do to Hamlet to be or not to be that speech in 10,000 Street at a reception. And I had 24 hours to learn it. Oh, which is, I got there to do it, and it was like a sea of loveies. It was like all of the as Patrick Stewart, all the of the loveies, <laughs> one of the big graves, and Alison Simmons. And Alison was absolutely lovely, lovely to me afterwards because. She's so gorgeous, the person. I was a little bit nervous. I can only imagine. I I remember being so nervous about even meeting her. And I was so happy when she was so lovely because, you know, that's always the worst, isn't it? If you end up meeting someone that you've loved all all your life. Um, The other in that show, as you will know, was um, Pete Davidson, who who was... Who, who once upon a time was was Doctor Who himself um, yeah. and who actually, because I know your love for Doctor Who, I, I sat next to in the makeup chair once and I said, Pete, I've got to say this because I feel like he'll kill me if I if I don't. Um, I said, you actually, you've actually met one of my colleagues, Lawrence Clark, because he, you had met him, hadn't you, when you were younger? Yeah, I, I had a photo of him when I was eight. That's the one. I, I, yes. But I'd say, I'd say for me, so, but you know, personally, one of the one of the, the biggest ones for me has been playing Miss Scott in in Grantchester, which is it's huge in 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 the UK. It's it's on ITV, but it's it's also massive in America. Masterpiece PBS. It, it it's huge, and the love I've had for that character has been has been massive. But what makes it even more unique is that it's a period drama, and actually, people yeah. that look like me aren't always in period dramas in fact we're rarely in period dramas very very rarely exactly and actually this character um it wasn't written as as anybody with with one arm or with a disability it was it was a character that was written and they simply just wanted to see me and I remember when I I got the audition through and I said to my agent oh I, I don't think they really want me for this I think they're probably just seeing me to tick a box which is awful I shouldn't have said that but I know sometimes as a disabled actor that I, maybe I have been in situations where I've been, a, 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 you know, ticking a box. Um, so I said to my agent, I don't think they really want me. I'll, I'll do the audition, but I, I really don't imagine I'm going to get this. And I cannot tell you the level of shock I had when they called me to say that, Melissa, they really want you to play Miss Scott. I rang my Nana Pam. She was the first person I called because I know how much she loves the show. She's been obsessed with the show since it came out. And um, her little voice started to break and she did her, you know, what, what would your granddad say? And and, and it really has been. And since so I joined in series six, we finished filming series eight at the end of last year. So, you know, I've got I've got three series of it already under my belt and it's just a joy. I, I absolutely love it. It's set in the 50s. The last one was set in 1960. 
And obviously, you know, I'm far too young to have remembered those years. So to get to to get to, you know, live them through a different character is is just a, an absolute joy. That's great. Um, as well as a successful TV career, um, you've also worked in the theatre. Uh, I, I saw you in Henry Fifth. It's Harrington in the West End. Was that last year? It was. That was that was last year, and I, I mean, it's it's gone so quickly. But yeah, that was my 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 West End debut, my, my first ever West End show, and and what a show it was! I was so grateful that so many of my friends, including you, travelled to London to come and see it. You know, performing alongside Kit Harrington, who is obviously most known for for Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, he played an incredible Henry. It was it was just a really brilliant, wonderful time, and it was hard work. It's I I, I sort of. Every time I do theatre, I forget the stamina that's needed yeah. um, physically and emotionally um, because it is just so draining. It's draining on your body. It's it's draining on you kind of mentally. Um, I, I, I know from, I was in one sheet, once, and the, the Matterly days, days where you've got to do two shows in a day, you can take quite long days. Um, it was exhausting. Absolutely, yeah. Doing two shows in one day is is and 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 when you're doing you know three hours worth of Shakespeare, yeah, uh, twice in one day, and and that's twice a week as well. So you do uh, you know you do two performances on the Thursday usually, and then another two performances on a Saturday, and it, it is it's it's really draining. But I suppose whilst theatre is is very mentally and physically draining, and the money isn't as good as you would get in tv that's the the honesty of it it's usually most of us as actors it was our first love it was the first thing that gave us that incredible buzz it was that feeling of i'm about to step on stage in front of a load of people and anything could go wrong and that adrenaline rush that you get with that is is huge and so i think it's it's one of those that it's got its downfalls as i say but Equally, nothing quite compares to that moment where you first step out on stage. You don't get that in TV. You know, you get other wonderful things in TV. There's, there's incredible moments in TV when you're waiting for that first episode to come out or, you know, you, you get to see what it's like when all of those scenes are put together and you get, get to actually watch the emotional journey played out. You know, all of those things are, are, are incredible in their own way. Um, but it, it's not, it's, it's a different kind of incredible to, to stepping into those lights. And talk of it, Satched. Tell us about Satched. Where did that come from? So, yeah, well, talking about the terrifying moment where you step out on stage and you're Mm. like, anything could go wrong. You know, that's one thing when you're part of a big ensemble or a big cast. My gosh, stepping out and doing a a one-woman show. So Snatched is a one-woman show that I that was uh, was uh, co-devised by myself and uh, a director called Lily Levin. Um, it was directed by Lily and it was written by myself and performed by myself. Stepping out onto that stage where it is just me, not only have I, you know, normally as an actor, if you step out on stage and people don't like it, you can kind of go, yeah, I know the writing was awful, wasn't it? Uh, you know, you can maybe you can blame it on someone else. But I couldn't this time because, um, you know, I had written it. 
what's even scarier is that it is an autobiographical piece. So it is completely and utterly based on my life. So if somebody didn't like Snatched, that really was a comment on one, my ability to perform, one, my ability to write, and one, what someone thinks of the entire life I've lived. Uh, <laughs> so I, I couldn't have put, I couldn't have bared my soul anymore on on, sna- on stage. But I mean, it was so raw and honest. And, 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 and so much of you and your, your personality was in there that it'd be hard not to take it personally if anyone had said anything bad about it, which they didn't. Thankfully, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully they didn't. Or if they did say anything bad about it, thankfully it didn't get back to me. Um, but yeah, in, in a nutshell, Snatched is about um, my life growing up with a body very different to everybody else around me. The situations that that meant I, I got into. So I was very ashamed of my body growing up. I, I didn't like to show off the fact that I only had one arm. I would wear long sleeve jumpers. I'd carry cardigans over my arm. I'd get to dates early where I knew lads didn't know about it yet. I'd get to the date early, plan where I was going to sit, how I was going to stand. I'd say I was going to the toilet, but really I'd go to the kitchen and ask the chef to go on and cut my food up for me before it came out. I would choreograph sex. I would just do every trick in the book to make sure that nobody could see this body that I, I, I really had. And so it kind of in in a it's it's a comedy, you know. It's 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 um I, I didn't want to go in, you know, all all violins playing. But, but, you know, playing out those situations of, of what it was like to have to hide my body. And then what happened when the bombshell hit, when um, in real life, what happened was I, I was in, once I was in Coronation Street, my iPhone got hacked and uh, intimate photos of me were leaked onto, onto sites, porn sites, and the papers picked up on it. And it ended up being over, well, in quite a lot of papers, actually. And what was really strange about it was that it really shone a light on how as a disabled woman the reactions I got were either oh my gosh I can't believe she has a partner or or I can't believe she has sex or it was as a fetish surely she's only there to exist for somebody else and so uh that for me was the perfect recipe for a show to be able to show everyone the life I've lived before it but also show what happens when something like that just comes crashing into your world and how I chose to deal with it, which, you know, was that I had my couple of hours crying. And then once I saw the things that had been written about me, I thought, I can't not say anything. I'm, I'm probably too gobby for that. So I've probably got to say something back. Um, and it was that saying something back that ended up changing my life completely. It ended up changing how I viewed my body. It meant that I stopped wearing long sleeve jumpers and I stopped taking cardigans out with me. And I started going on dates and showing people that I only had one arm. Um, and so I, I tried to take a negative and, and turn it into something, something different. And the show really explores that. It's, um, it's, it's a 90s throwback as well. I was, I bought, I was brought up in the yeah. 90s. And, and so it's, it's, yeah, it's all the 90s. Great, it's a great music. Did <laughs> you ever think you were going to hear the Macarena on cello? No. <laughs> So, um, I guess what next is the question, what what are your plans? Yeah, so what next? Um, So alongside being an actor and a writer, I am fortunate enough to be the co-creative lead of BAFTA winning 
organization, Triple C, uh, which is an organization that creates projects that break down the barriers for people with disabilities accessing arts and screen and media. And that's a, a job that I didn't think I would have to do, uh, along with most other deaf, disabled and or neurodivergent people working in the industry. I didn't think that I would have to be a constant advocate and a constant person that's part of this drive for change. But it has fallen on us as as disabled people to to make that change. And actually co-running this organisation, I think we've found a way of, dare I say it, enjoying it. It means that we get to meet incredible people along the way and we get to fight this fight alongside some amazing people. So continuing to, to do the brilliant things we do at Triple C Dank, we are I actually just got a phone call just before this to say that I've I've just been cast in in something. Um it's it's only it's only no, no, I'm not gonna say that. It's not only small. What's that yeah. saying? There's no such thing as a as a small part. No small That's it. <laughs> It. there's no small parts they're all part so but you know it, it's the highs and the lows and you just have to learn to to, to ride them don't you last week yeah. I got a phone call that said I didn't get the last role that I went up for so it's it, it's doing all of that and then the thing I guess I'm most excited about is developing Snatched uh, currently writing Snatched for TV so it started off as, as a theatre show and now we're now we're um, developing it and and, and pushing for that to be turned into a TV show. So, yeah. And, and maybe some more Grandchester. That would be nice because mm-hmm. I love set, stepping into Miss Scott's shoes. It's a, it's a joy. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for, for the opportunities that I get. Exciting. Uh, finally, then, if you could talk to, say, 40, 50-year-old Melissa Jones and give her one piece of advice, what would that be? I think I'd say to her what you're making yourself feel sick with worry about now probably won't even matter in a week's time, let alone a year's time. So I think I would say I would I would encourage her to learn about perspective and celebrate the wins, celebrate every good thing that happens and find all the things that relight your fire. Know that happiness isn't just based in every time you get that phone call from your agent to say you've got a job. Happiness isn't based in every time you're stood on the stage and the curtain goes up. Happiness isn't based in every time you're on set and someone calls action. You have to find all the things that make you happy because if you just base it in those times, then you're not going to be happy very much of the time. So find all the things that like, you know, keep keep your fire burning because um, they're the things that hold you up actually when the going gets tough. Melissa, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me. It's been lovely. Bye. Voices is a production of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the founding managing director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez del Campo. The intro music is by Kai Levin, and our closing song is by Sebastian Batista. Kai and Sebastian are students in the arts education programs at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. If you would like to learn more about our work, 
Find us online at berkeley.edu slash B-I-A-A-E or email us at B-I-A-A-E at berkeley, that's L-E-E dot E-D-U.